What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 177 of the Game Explain Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and this week I'm joined by Andre Seegers and Steve Bowling. Uh, don't get to have Steve on here too much, but we're recording a little later in the day because, well, just all kinds of things going on. But, Steve, how you been? I've been well. Uh, it's nice to be back. I know I don't get to hang out on the podcast much, but I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I don't get to either, so I'm excited to be here as well. <laughs> Yeah, this is like an alternate universe episode where... <laughs> I think I've hit everyone this year, though, so far. Right, Derek? Haven't I? Maybe. I I, I guess so, thinking I'm back. I'm pretty sure. You're, you're good at the beginning of the year, but give it two months and you'll be gone. <laughs> I don't appreciate your lack of uh, encouragement and you're, enthusiasm. I, I distinctly remember last year your um, uh, New Year's resolution being to be on the podcast more. That stopped after the first month. Like I'm all, pretty sure. I'm like, pretty sure I've exceeded my record from last year. So. <laughs> like, all, like all New Year's resolutions, it failed. <laughs> hey, I made it past the average of 12 days. Okay, that's when yeah. most New Year's resolutions fail by. So I've already, uh, what, basically almost tripled the performance of most people. So take that, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Well, there you have it. But uh, <laughs> how you guys been? Oh, it's been busy <laughs> trying yeah. to look for a house and then not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm jealous. I'm jealous of I'm, you I'm just moving. I, I just like to move my entire recording set around <laughs> so that I can I can optimize my inefficiency. I'm at peak inefficiency right now. Nice. Well, to be fair, you're still it's probably more efficient in the long term because at least you you you're you're not being you you have a setup at all times in some way. Um, whereas, yeah. like doing this house stuff is taken away from my ability to you know work with my setup. So, yeah, my my problem is I'm I'm a perfectionist, and so I keep making it slightly worse in the hopes of making it <laughs> infinitely better, and it never works out that way. But at least this time, because if, if you don't know, for those of you listening, I do a lot of our unboxing videos because I like boxes and I have two hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time I do one of those, I actually have to like drag a table into another room and then set up a camera and lights and all this other stuff. Um, and my goal is to not have to do that because I'm lazy. <laughs> so I actually installed a shelf above my desk where I'd normally record things, and I have like a little area set aside for unboxings. Unfortunately, I have nothing to unbox yet, so... Maybe, just maybe, we'll we'll get something soon, and I'll get to test out whether this worked or not. That'd be the cruel irony of you putting all this time into this recording space, and you have nothing to unbox. Just yeah, so Nintendo no just announces that they're no longer doing physical products at all. <laughs> they're like, we're all digital, and we're on Stadia only. <laughs> wow. That's one way to... Uh, yeah, I mean, Nintendo would be doomed then. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Jeez. Finally comes true. The prophecy has finally, been, finally come to fruition. Hmm. How have you been, Andre? Oh, like I said, this house thing's been a roller coaster. So I thought I was locked in. You may have seen me on Twitter. I'm like, yes, I am. A, I'm a homeowner. Uh, apparently, I'm not. I was a little ahead of the game there because I was set to become one. But then we had the inspection. So basically, um, this whole process has been new to me. Um, but I had like, I had like, why? I had a. Uh, the the seller had basically agreed my initial offer, so then I put money into um into the 
basically wired money to an account, which holds on to it, showing like good faith on my part. Um, but at this point, I still I'm not locked in yet. I still have the inspection period where we have I pay an inspector to go through the house, like with a fine tooth comb, find everything wrong with it, so I make sure I'm not making a horrible mistake. <laughs> and uh, and the inspection overall wasn't horrible. This was an older building from the '80s, so you know some things are to be expected. But there was a big concern with the windows, them being. Uh, basically, the original windows, there was leaks around some of them. Some of them just, uh, one of them at least didn't work anymore. <laughs> like, it wouldn't shut anymore. And, yeah, the frames are old. Yeah, they were all single panes. They weren't really great windows to begin with. Um, it would cause heat loss and, you know, sound might be an issue. So, uh, so that was a big, that was a big point of concern for me because windows aren't cheap to replace. Um, so that was, yeah, that was point number one against the place. Uh, and I and and um, there was another point too that came up involving the internet. I'll get to that in a second. That was a concern, but most of the windows I was really worried about at this point. So I basically backed away from the house. But then the then the sellers counter offers like, hey, we're actually willing to work with you on the window issue, even though they might be I- extremely expensive. So I'm like, all right, I'll look into this, especially because they were considering extending the um, the uh, inspection period, so I have more time to decide. But then I discovered an issue with the internet. Where I already knew that they were stuck with Comcast, and I've been spoiled on fiber since then in Seattle or at my apartment building. And Comcast sucks by comparison. But I'm like, okay, a lot of people make Comcast work. Maybe I can make it work. But then I found out that they split it between the nine units there, meaning what's oh, already God. kind of substandard connection yeah. could be split nine ways for the worse, um, which is a major problem for upload speeds. Uh, but they offered, you know, they said, hey, you can stop by the apartment if you want, or the condo, check it out, do your own test. So I did last night, and unfortunately I confirmed my fears of the internet. Just, like, for, for most people, it'd be fine. For what we do, it'd be a problem. <laughs> so, mm. so yeah, that kind of solidified my feelings on it, you know, on top of the window issue, even though they're willing to work with me. It's like, yeah, I just don't want to deal with, you know, potential headaches, too, of owning, of owning an older building. I like streamlining things. I like things being easy. So, and the internet's what killed it so yeah unfortunately i backed away it sucked but the house otherwise looked awesome i was really a big fan of the location and the location was great i love the layout but the those two things are kind of deal breakers for me so yeah so that's been a roller coaster this past week and a half or two weeks or whatever <laughs> man that's unfortunate that's yep i mean i was it was kind of a bonus because i've had comcast before in my old place but i also didn't have to share it it was my comcast i, I it's actually kind of weird that you split it between people yeah, I've that's never a weird really thing. heard that guess, because you're paying for your own. I'm guessing you pay full price. You're not splitting no, the cost. No, so the no, well, the HOA pays for it. So I mean, I'm paying oh, okay. for it through the HOA, but it's, it's effectively split nine ways. So yeah, that's that's the problem. I'm paying for my own internet, but that's so I means I can get as much. And that was the same with my old apartment when I was working with Comcast and made it work. But then right. when I moved to this new place and it got a bonus discovery. It was like, oh sweet, I have FiOS here. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll take it. It's not fiber, but I'll take FiOS. It's certainly better. And got this. I mean, yeah, that was arguably better than Comcast. <laughs> yeah, super, super envious of both of you with your uh, ridiculously high speed symmetrical connections. I'm, <laughs> I'm over here making cable work. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and, and to be fair, it's not bad, but it is interesting that you bring up that point, Andre, because it's something that until I joined Game Explain, I never had to consider: is the quality of the internet available to me wherever I move. That's now like a very big consideration for someone in this line of work uh, because you can't move somewhere where, where, you know, the internet isn't anything better than, or anything less than optimal because like you said, there are huge, crazy uh, bandwidth requirements for this kind of stuff. Uh, And, you know, I think what most people that don't do this don't realize is that 
in, in the U.S., like most internet plans have really decent download speeds, but really, really bad upload. Mm-hmm. Unless you unless you get a service like uh, Fiber or FiOS, where where they kind of match the speeds together, but exactly. your speed, mm-hmm. your up speed is usually one to three percent of your download speed. Yeah, it's, that's it's basically crazy Comcast. Bad. It is, yeah, exactly. It's I mean, for most people, it's fine because most of the things that are uploading beyond the occasional picture is just like Google searches, right? So it's not a huge deal or Potentially online gaming, I suppose. But yeah, if you're dealing with like stuff like us, where you're uploading videos, that's a huge issue. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. especially because yeah. there can be several gigs depending on the video. So exactly right, right. Like my, I think my Far Cry review, which I rendered out in 4K. Unfortunately, YouTube did some weird magic and and shoved it down to 1080p for the channel. But that was like a 40 gig file. It was huge. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to recording in 4K whenever that eventually becomes a standard. Yeah, I, I'm already ready for it. I, I updated all my gear over the Christmas holiday so that I, I can record in 4K for anything. Because I imagine, like with PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, that people are going to expect that from from outlets covering them. And I, I definitely hope we we are going to be an outlet covering them. Uh, you know, Sony, if you're listening, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, it, it, it eats up hard drive space too. Like that's the other consideration. Like we're talking about how big these files are to upload. Like my computer can barely handle uh, storing these things. Like some of, some of the stuff I've worked on, especially if you're talking like a 40, 50 hour RPG in 4K, if you record the whole thing, you're going to need like an incredible amount of storage space. I mean, that's kind of how it was for me with the old 3DS recordings that we did. Uh, with the, when we recorded it within the uh, program itself. Uh, those files would be huge. I think an hour-long bit of footage would be around 20 to 30 gigs. And that oh, yeah. be, uh, ate up quick, I, especially like I dreaded the time when Pokemon would arrive because that was you know, a good 60, 40 to 60 hours right there. So, right. You guys, yeah. you guys sent me a Yokai Watch. And you had me, you had me do a game and watch for that, and that was my first experience with 3DS recording. And oh my gosh, that was a nightmare. <laughs> did you, did I you, was, yokai, did you yokai watch your hard drive fill up? Uh, I yokai watched <laughs> my computer cry. <laughs> <laughs> no, th- thank God we're done with the 3DS <laughs> as far as recording things. That's oof. although, to its credit, those recordings are pretty pristine. So yes. they look good. Yeah. They, they oh, look they, good. they look fantastic. Yeah, yeah. but jeez. <laughs> Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm glad that I joined on the tail end of the 3DS's life. It's, it's, what is kind of funny, too, is it, this is a, only related by a tangent, but uh, the Switch effectively replaced six systems we used to have. We used mm-hmm. to have the Wii U and 3DS in all three regions, being North America, Europe, and Japan. So one single console being you know uh, both a handheld and, and console, along with no more region locking, allowed us to just replace all of that, which is so much nicer. Seriously, oh, I can yeah. actually you know, don't have to worry too much about uh, how to get the demo for Persona 5 Scramble when it comes out exactly. next week. <laughs> Although we used, to have to, and we used to have to ship those around the country. Like I'd have to ship you the entire Wii U if you oh, needed the Japanese one. I still instance. have all three regions of the 3DS <laughs> and the Japanese Wii U. I don't know what to do with and, them, oh, but I have and them. We had to alpha- and we had to outfit all three of them, actually even more than that, for our for our, uh, North, North American ones, our, every 3DS with recording hardware. Mm-hmm. So this was expensive. And importing Wii U isn't cheap either, by the way. So No. Um, I mean, I yeah, put the, that Wii U to good use when, that, when Xenoblade Chronicles X came out. I streamed that game for like six to eight hours for people in right. Japan. Yep. Trying to figure it out in Japanese. That was something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, the the Wii U hung around like the five hundred dollar mark to import. Yeah. For a long time. It was insane because I remember really wanting one and it got to the point where um like I just assumed it was gonna stay there forever. And then there was just a precipitous price drop. Like people realized, oh crap, this is a flop and Play Asia needed to clear out their inventory <laughs> real fast. And I think I ended snapping one up for like two hundred forty bucks or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they if I had been covering it it would have been untenable to try to purchase one of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 for us, like, and at that time, like, we weren't as big as we were now, so that was, or anywhere even close. So that was a huge investment. Like, that was a huge gamble. <laughs> like, we're effectively burning <laughs> money potentially to get all this hardware. I hope it's worth it, and most of it ended up being worth it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, we got Hyrule Warriors in, in early, exactly. and we were able to do stuff with that. Xenoblade, we we were able to get the Mario and Luigi games. A lot of those early, that's things, right. the European ones. So yeah, the, the, so the only slight downside to this, and it's not really a real complaint, but in a purely business sense we have lost a slight competitive advantage we had because almost no one was no one else was stupid enough to do what we did <laughs> oh, yeah. versions of every oh man that worked out so much in our favor when the demo for pokemon sun and moon came out and it was in it came out only in japan first like so we had like a 12 18 hour jump on everybody else yeah. and even better it had the english option in japan exactly so it was like oh boom <laughs> we we actually got i don't think i ever said this before we actually got a few angry emails from nintendo before like asking like hey how, you guys this game's embargoed you know i'm like well we actually bought it in japan so it's not embargoed for us <laughs> um, they, i don't think they love that but not much like not much i could do so <laughs> i i you ever get the feeling Nintendo had to change a lot of rules just because of us? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I know parts like I know some of the wording and some of the press releases or uh, embargo sheets is directly because of questions we asked about them or or in relation to how we covered things. So yeah, no <laughs> compilations, <laughs> yeah, no compilations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so what you're saying is we're the reason that Nintendo only la- lets you do like two minute clips at a time. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> No, I think that's always been a thing. I, yeah, actually, that so. has been a thing. We just found ways to yeah. get around it so we could make it work for us. And they, <laughs> it was like, oh, crap, we got to tighten this even more. So if we take a picture every frame and run those frames together <laughs> at one frame per, at 30 frames per second, it's like a video. <laughs> no, we, we never did that. <laughs> no, we didn't. I could see you asking for that, but... I think I actually did later. joke about it once there. But, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Oh goodness! Well, what, have you guys been actually playing any games, seeing any movies in the past week, or is it just sort of work, work, work? Um, um. I saw. I don't. I don't think I saw it within the last week, but I saw um, Uncut Gems, the new Adam Sandler movie. I, I say that see as if that. that. I say that as if it indicates anything, but it's not a comedy. It's not your usual Adam Sandler movie. You don't um, say. <laughs> it's intense. It's stressful, yo. This is a stressful, anxiety-inducing movie. So I would not recommend it unless you're in for like a very intense time. But I, it's good. I heard he's really good in it, and I, but I also heard that as like the, the, you just get driven nuts because this guy just makes his life worse and worse all the time. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not just that. I mean, that's a huge part of it, obviously, but it's also just the way they filmed it, and they like they filmed it in a way, and like they're layering sounds on top of each other, and the, how they're cutting between scenes. It just drives you like up the wall, like much as the character himself must be feeling. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did this not get any Oscar nominations? Like, seriously, award shows suck. Yeah, the Academy Awards are a sham. <laughs> well, all award shows are a sham. Exactly, I agree <clears throat> with that. 100%. <laughs> um, I haven't been I haven't been watching many movies, uh, you know, 
dad kids very hard to get out to see stuff i've been house sitting for two friends back to back so like i haven't really seen my house in a while <laughs> um so i've i've really just been nose to the grindstone at work uh fortunately though i mean i can say what i'm playing because we've already run a preview for it uh we got like snack world very early uh which is rare for a nintendo published title uh, so I've been trying to play my way through that. Uh, I wanted to spend a little more time playing Kakarot. I saw your review. I agreed with almost everything you said in it. And so I'm, I'm taking my time. I'm taking a break from that. You know, I have, I have work stuff to do. And on top of that, I'm just, uh, I'm in the middle of the game and I'm feeling a little unenthused about continuing. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I can see that. It definitely gets repetitious. The worlds themselves aren't super interesting to go through. But as a Dragon Ball fan, certain moments can just really hit and click for me. Like, oh, cool, they brought that character back. Or, uh, oh, man, that moment's really awesome. Like, I, you know, I, I gave the game a like, and when I beat it, the uh, final boss battle, they did a really good job of making that final confrontation with Boo really epic uh and and it kind of reminded me like i'm not the biggest fan of the boo saga but they did it justice so by the end you could really feel the stakes and everything else around it like it, it had that impact plus you know maybe i'm a sucker for final battle they're playing the theme song so it oh kinda... nice yeah the, I, I do have to say the soundtrack is killer mm. like I, I'm so happy to see, like, the original Japanese score being represented in this game. And I, I know that there's a ton of American fans out there that really like the Falconer score. Um, I'm not a big fan of it just because it's not what I grew up with. Um, but I, I do really enjoy, like, how, like you said, it captures the world of Dragon Ball very well. And and I love seeing stuff like, you know, we finally find out what the hell happened to Launch. Like, <laughs> you know, she just kind of disappeared. And and. You know, we found out it was because Toriyama literally forgot about her, yeah. <laughs> which is hilarious to me. But, you know, they went back and they and they worked with Toriyama to add her into the story and make it canon. So that's really cool. And like you said, it's 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 nice to for them to kind of fill in some of the narrative blanks that were in Dragon Ball. Uh, and on top of that, some of those moments, like you said, it, it, it there's there's a weird dissonance for me because some of those moments, they get so, so right. And some they just miss the mark on really hard. Mm-hmm. Um you know, for me, and like I said, I'm in the middle of the game, so I'm in the Cell Saga. I, I, I can't speak to anything beyond that. But um, like when Goku and Vegeta are having like their their Kamehameha versus Gallic Gun uh, battle, it just it, I feel like they somehow it lacks the intensity that it had in the anime. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than like you said, you know, for for every moment like that, there's one there's one where they either get it completely or they go even above and beyond the anime in certain instances. So it evens out in the end. But yeah, it's it, it does kind of start to like you said feel a bit a, a bit repetitious, a bit a bit like I'm just doing the same thing over and over again towards the middle of the game. So I'm hoping that there's some variation later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh the Frieza saga is what dragged the most for me because it was just you're in that one area the entire time and oh yeah, hence, Namek is boring. Oh yeah. They made it <laughs> I'm like, oh wow, there is only just this one spot. Holy crap, there's nothing to do. <laughs> like even more. Yeah, so than and, usual. and even even the side quests are just like, find me a stone. I'm mm-hmm. like, great. I yep. I want to do this. I'm I, I'd rather go wreck the Ginyu Force right now, but I guess I'll I'll find you your friggin' rock because I know I'm never going to come back here. <laughs> 
in the meantime, I did get I did play uh, the Kingdom Hearts three Remind DLC. Did a review of that, and it's so weird. Like I was a level ninety nine, played on normal, had the best weapon in the game, and blew through the main story DLC with, with so little issue. I mean, the story was. You know, good enough. Gave enough of a, a indication of what's coming in the future. But then you get to the what's being referred to as the data fights. And even on my easy difficulty, uh, comparatively, like the, you play on normal mode, the g- game is a breeze. You're not going to have any issues whatsoever. Um, but these data fights, even on that mode, holy crap, they kicked a just living terror out of me like it, it was some of them i could get down in one but it done in one go others i had to nail their patterns almost exactly if i wanted to even stand a chance and it was brutal going through all 13 of them in a row just so i could see what came after and the the new secret episode that indicates here's what's coming next for kingdom hearts <laughs> type thing it's mm. whew, it's a, it's an expensive dlc i don't know if it adds a lot that makes it worthwhile. So I'm I, I honestly do think it might be a bit overpriced. I think it's twenty dollars would have been a bit better. Granted, they have a lot of voice acting. All the cutscenes are fully animated in the same quality as the original and all that. So it is, you, know, you can see the money on the table. But for actual gameplay that you're getting, eh, probably only should have been about twenty. Hmm, that's unfortunate. I I feel like DLC even even this far. Uh, into the history of it is still very hit or miss for most games. Mm-hmm. Like uh, publishers don't seem to have, have completely figured out the formula for how to make good DLC. I mean, even even Nintendo misses on occasion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's I think it's tough when it comes to story based games because it's how do you offer something on the scale of the original at a lower price? You can't, right? So it always ends up feeling a little bit budget by comparison, I think, at least in my experience with it. It always feels like, you know, basically what it is, like a little side story. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's just that when you compare it to the original, it can be weird at times, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, and I mentioned this during our Game of the Decade discussions, I think Red Dead 1 really captured it well by just taking, you know, ignoring the world that they built and just making like this crazy off-the-wall uh, side story where where you know it was more of a spectacle what they chose to do with it like i i would still love to see breath of the wild dlc where we actually got the aliens concept i just that <laughs> that would be insanely fun to me yeah That'd be cool yeah I, I like the idea of like twisting like what we know about the world in a new way like if you if you introduce aliens like that they could do all kinds of wild stuff with that um but maybe we'll see something of that nature in breath of the wild too or whatever ends up being called so yeah what, I, i'm yeah. It's high time for a weird Zelda. I, I really <laughs> want overdue. a weird Zelda. We're overdue. Yep. So, we'll see what happens. Otherwise, uh, honestly, not been doing too much else. It's just uh, going back and forth. Although, I have been, I did help um, Amy, uh, Belle Aim, quite a bit uh, this past weekend. as She's been really building up her Twitch channel, which is really cool to see. And she's gotten pretty far, far in Persona 5. I don't think it means anything. Definitely doesn't mean anything to Andre. And you only played. How far in Persona 5 did you play, Steve? I've I'm on my so I'm gonna sound totally ignorant and that's fine. Um, I I think I'm on my second palace. Is that the correct terminology? Yes. Okay. okay. So yeah, I, I did the first one with the gym teacher, and I'm on the second one. But so the issue for me with Persona is I I desperately want to play it, 
on the Switch. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and right when I got into playing it was when the rumors of it coming to the Switch started to kick up. Uh. And so I kind of just put the game down despite loving it and walking away saying like, oh, well, it's going to come to the Switch. It's going to come to the Switch. I'm just going to wait. And now Royal is around the corner. And I'm <laughs> like, well, I mean, why would I play Persona 5 when Royal's coming out? Uh, because I believe that to be just like a director's cut basically like we get the original game with more stuff right essentially some remixed uh palaces some uh right new sections new character all that kind of fun stuff yeah so i, I feel like there's no way i'm gonna want to dive into persona 5 and then royal so, no, so now it's, be rough. <laughs> royal is on deck and uh you know hopefully hopefully that comes to us soon i'll wait for your your comments and opinions on it uh but there's still this small part of me that really just wants to see this on Switch. It ran on PS3. <laughs> so oh, yeah. There's, the Switch there's no can totally handle it. It handled Dragon Quest Eleven. It can handle this. <laughs> yeah, and, and I just... It seems like such a no-brainer to put a game like this that is insanely popular. You know, it... it has it a character in Smash. <laughs> yeah, has a character in Smash. It, it is the Persona series' Final Fantasy VII moment. Like, this is the game that opens up the series to a much larger audience. And it just seems crazy to me that that Nintendo and Atlas haven't figured out a way to to lock down a deal on this. Hopefully soon, but we'll see. But yeah, yeah. It, honestly, if Royal comes out and I haven't heard of it, I think I'm just gonna suck it up and play it on PS4. Finally, I mean, it'll look good. They did up the graphics quality for Royal as well, since it's only for PS4. Yeah, so, exactly. You have that aspect. Uh, but just to give an indication, she's re- finally reached a point where she's back at the beginning of the game. You know, that at that opening. Uh, right. Where uh, that all happened, that all goes down. So uh, there's a lot of big moments that happens with that. So it was it was fun to see her freak out. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I've been following, I, I follow her on Twitter, just like all my other Game Explained compatriots. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'll be honest, I don't know much about Twitch. So I saw she was talking about raiding someone. I'm like, that's a cool thing, I think. <laughs> it's basically, um, I, uh, you take your audience, you're done streaming, but hey, my friend is streaming. So I'm going to send all you guys over there and raid them. So send some love there. Okay. It's that's cool. Idea. It, rating is usually not a good thing, though. It's usually a very bad thing. <laughs> right. Like, when I hear it, I'm like, oh, God, what are they doing? Are they, like, yeah, trashing like someone plunder- else's channel? Yeah, yeah like, plunder. And <laughs> I'm going I'm gonna to steal your subs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm just taking all your money. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that'd be something. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, not too much else beyond that. Uh, just, uh, yeah, going about that. But let's go ahead and jump in. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's go ahead and jump into the news topics. Uh, so, Andre, we can actually get some cool stories for Andre since he's uh, desperately in need of them. And how's this for a cool story, Andre? Nintendo has no plans to release a new Switch system in 2020. So, uh, yeah. If you want a pro, no pro. Yeah. No pro yeah, pro. Yeah. I do love how this news came literally like minutes after they announced a new Animal Crossing Switch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but obviously they're talking about like a whole new model. Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised by it. I'm, I'm both surprised and not surprised by this. I'm, I don't think any of us like really expected. Well, maybe we did. I can't remember what we <laughs> predicted. Um, uh, I mean, I, I am a little bit shocked in the sense that it's amazing Nintendo would have essentially gone nearly four years by the point we could see a 
a new Switch without introducing like a totally revamped model. We've had the light so far, granted, um, but it's not that doesn't serve as a replacement to the original system. So it's kind of shocking that we haven't seen that for a handheld system from Nintendo. On the other hand, with how well the Switch is doing, they don't they don't need one at this point. Now, at the same time, this is something they have to plan years in advance. So. Um, and it's something they'd want to maintain momentum with. So there's not, like, a ton of room for them to play with, of course. Uh, but it probably depends on, you know, factors beyond, you know, beyond their own um, a forecast of how the Switch is doing. But also depends on, their, you know, the hardware manufacturers, whether technologies at the point where they can meaningfully, uh, where they can offer a meaningful update uh, to the existing Switch, whether it be a Pro or Switch 2. So, yeah. Um, what I do think this means, though, is I think... I would bet my my life on the fact to see a new switch next year, <laughs> some kind of new switch <laughs> in twenty twenty one. Right. This this falls right in line with what I predicted. Um, I, I nice. said that I felt we were there was no way we were going to see one in twenty twenty. I mean, late twenty twenty, we already know is packed, right? Yeah. Uh, with PS five and Xbox Series X both competing exactly. for the, those Christmas dollars <laughs> um, or holiday dollars, but. Um, and Nintendo, in, in kind of an interesting move, I mean, starting with the original Switch, has has moved themselves out of the traditional console launch window, when you think about it. Right. Uh, and March, especially for Americans, is, is a really smart time to launch. A lot of adults are getting tax returns or annual bonuses around that time. That's the end of the first quarter. Uh, so suddenly you find a lot of people with disposable income around that time of year and no major gift-giving holiday. So, I never thought about the whole um, tax return aspect to it. That's a really yeah, good point. Yeah, like, point. I get my taxes yeah. back. I got, you know, some money to burn. Nintendo drops a new console. Guess where I'm right. going? <laughs> yeah, I, I, and it's easy to forget about that because uh, all the taxes I might get back uh, go, just go to the next quarter. <laughs> yeah. I don't get yeah, a return. Exactly. Yeah, I do that too. I just do the rollover. But, yeah, it is kind of fun getting it back. It's like, it's like free money, <laughs> even though it totally isn't. But... Um, and Steve, you can also pair that with another idea. I know both you and myself have talked about that for a while. That we we've both predicted that Breath of the Wild two, if it is planned for this year, would get delayed next year. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning they could put, they could just basically relaunch the Switch again, like just re, just uh, recreate the Switch condi- the Switch launch conditions with a Switch Pro or Switch two with Breath of the Wild two in March twenty twenty one. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly. And you know what? No one would be upset. No, <laughs> no, nobody like, would, it would be. even be. It would even be backwards compatible too, just like Breath of the Wild. It works on so many levels. <laughs> you know, can, can we just recycle our videos and just throw a two on the end? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make make a. They'll have a uh, a Switch Pro or what a Switch Two or whatever they want to call it uh, done up like Zelda, Zelda themed and all that. That'll be a oh man, big. Oh god. The, yeah, so the Switch the switch is quickly becoming the new, like, Game Boy, in my mind. Like, every time a special edition comes out, I'm like, I need that. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and, and, except this time it's 300 bucks. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I already have, like, four Switches in my house. Oh, wow. And, and I'm already counting on a fifth coming in with the Animal Crossing. Like, I'm going to have to start giving them away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To that point, too, the Game Boy was the only other Nintendo handheld that lasted this long without introducing another version of it so or a you know replacement effectively um so yeah i think uh that's a very apt comparison steve well look at the <laughs> and also look at the longevity of the game boy that the, the game boy it didn't get replaced forever. until like like i think it was still getting new games in 1997 or 98 exactly and you know to that point too i really do think we're gonna i think we may be seeing something similar to the game boy where even its successor being 
Switch 2 or whatever they end up calling it is more of like a soft you know, next generation, where you don't get a hard cutoff. You get a whole bunch of games that support both platforms. And I think Breath of the Wild 2 could be that, where it'll run on the existing Switch, but it'll run better on Switch 2, or look better, or whatever, it's, you know? It's the oh, Game absolutely. Boy Color to the Game Boy. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yep, I, I believe that 100%. I, Nintendo would be insane to try to shift all the people that have purchased a Switch over to a new piece of hardware. Oh, I totally so, agree. It'd be Especially after the NPD news that just came out showing that the Switch is... It is just dominating right now. It's already Nintendo's second best-selling console of all time, um, I believe, behind the uh, behind the Wii. Um, and I think also both the Xbox and PS4 over the previous year combined. Isn't that correct? I believe so. I, I think you're right, yeah. yeah. N- Nintendo would be really wise to lean into more of like an Apple or Samsung-type Ex- marketing strategy for, sure. for the Switch. Like, just... You know what? We're going to keep the compatibility going as long as we can. We're just going to keep introducing nice new features, and maybe you know, three, four generations down the road, we have to drop the first gen off. You know, new <laughs> yeah. new stuff doesn't work, but we're going to try to keep it running. You know, as as long as we can, and and treat it like a cell phone. Maybe you skip a generation, and you get the third gen switch, and you can bring all your all your stuff over, and it's fine. Um, yeah, lo- and- oh, go ahead. Oh, and I was just going to say, with major compatibility changes coming every every five, six units, you know, like right. a- assuming that they keep this going like for a crazy long time, right? But because yeah. um, it's not it, clearly Nintendo isn't interested in like an annual refresh cycle for this thing, but right. um, you know, I-, I could see them treating it as more of a long term platform uh, as long as people keep wanting to buy this device. And right now, it- it- I kind of get the vibe off the switch that uh, consumers treat it more more like we do our cell phones and our tablets than we traditionally do our game consoles because it's it's so much more personal of a device when you compare it to an Xbox or a PlayStation. Yeah, I mean, it's something you most people or a lot of people have with them at all times. It's just super accessible. You're playing with it in all, you know, all, in all kinds of locations. Um, I totally agree with you in, uh, on top of the fact that Starting a new generation fresh is a huge risk, especially for Nintendo. They have a horrible history with starting <laughs> generations, where after every every like best selling platform they've had, every subsequent one, or at least the subsequent one, is downhill for them. It, you know, the NES sold great, then it was downhill going with the Super NES, the Nintendo sixty four, and then the GameCube. It was only with the Wii that they reversed it, which of course then cratered with the Wii U. So now that they have a good thing going with the Switch, I don't think they want to risk it again. I guarantee you, as you were saying, Steve, we're gonna see. It's going to be like a soft rollover generation where yeah, the Switch will continue to be a relevant console even when its technical successor releases because it'll be cross compatible. It'd be stupid to do otherwise. And that's why we're seeing Microsoft kind of do the same thing too. It's stupid to do otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're definitely going to keep selling Switches with, as Steve said, with the new Animal Crossing theme Switch. I have never seen people blow up like this over a revision, like not even for Zelda or anything like that. People love this thing. I tweeted out uh, the other day that uh, I think Nintendo just broke and made broke a bunch of Animal Crossing fans, and it is up to almost 5,000 likes. I've never had a tweet blow up that much. Wow. And oh, it's, yeah. It's insane because people just, it, they want this Switch badly. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was um, watching Kind of Funny today. They were doing like a longer stream and uh, they they spent like a whole segment on how pretty this Animal Crossing Switch is today. Um, and, and I mean, I I think uh, as soon as I saw Andre come online after that, I was like, yo, we're asking Nintendo if we're getting one of those, right? <laughs> <laughs> Got to do that unboxing. Like, oh, yeah. I, I need that, Nintendo. Please, please don't get out of the physical product game until you get one of those in my doorstep, please. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you can go the Stadia route. Thanks. 
Yeah, I, I, it, there's just something really appealing about the colors they chose, I think. The soft pastel, you know, green and blue for the Joy-Cons, uh, which is also kind of reflected on the dock itself. Like, that's a lovely-looking dock. Um, yeah, I do have one complaint, though. Oh, okay. If you were ever to release an all-white Switch, this was the one you should have done it with. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just feel like the black is the one thing that kind of clashes with the rest of this design. Yeah, like this- I can. Yeah, you're totally. You actually are right there. But I guess, I mean, you're always going to have some black with the screen there, right? So there's really no avoiding mm, it. True. Technically, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, they could do it, but yeah, it, it would they definitely. Could use an e, they could use an e an e paper screen, I guess. <laughs> well, well, you could. Uh, I oh, okay, I get what you mean. I thought you were talking about the bezels, and I was like, you no, can, I'm talking you about can the do white itself. bezels, but yeah, the oh, screen yeah, would totally, be black. Totally. Yeah. But I mean, it would look kind of just a little bit more. I think it would capture the vibe they're going for just a little bit better, like especially when it's docked to have mm-hmm. have a white body. But uh, also, like you said earlier, Nintendo doesn't really need to do this. Like people are going nuts for this thing already. I'm going nuts for this thing, um, you know. And and Nintendo is is saving a ton of money by keeping it the same color as as every other unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I do suspect at some point we'll get different colored like full size switches. But at this point, I, I would expect that from a rev 2 or a pro or whatever it'll be called well i mean we've already seen that with a switch light but the odd thing is this isn't a switch light version this is exclusive to the original switch which is unusual or unexpected perhaps i should say i actually don't find that unusual at all um the animal crossing fan demographic skews way more adult than pokemon for instance Mm -hmm. Uh, i think a lot of people that love animal crossing are are closer in age to me than they are to say my kids who who love pokemon sword and shield uh and those folks you know we've at least personally speaking as someone who i consider myself to be an animal crossing super fan i've wanted this to come back to console forever now same here um you know when the wii u brought out brought out uh what was that awful animal crossing board game amiibo plaza or amiibo festival oh, yeah amiibo festival yeah i was so sure that we were getting a Wii U Animal Crossing game. And and honestly, I, I firmly believe that that would have helped at least a bit turn mm-hmm. the console's fortunes around. And when they didn't, it just made that desire all the more intense. So finally, knowing that on my Switch, I can have Animal Crossing on my TV, like, I don't anticipate wanting to play this handheld at all. Like, I, <laughs> I, I've had enough of that on the 3DS. I'm, I'm ready to have it on my TV again. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, I, 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 part of what makes Animal Crossing so appealing, I think, at least well, what I found it appealing is, I'm so glad John's not here. I'm going to use a word I detest otherwise. <laughs> this has ruined it for me. Is it is cozy? Like, Animal Crossing has a cozy feeling, but it's tough for me to feel that cozy feeling when I'm playing on a cramped, tiny handheld screen device you know cr- crunched up in my chair or whatever um as opposed to like laying back on my couch playing on a massive tv like that's cozy like not playing on a bus hunched over a tiny display you know so i'm <laughs> right. so glad that animal crossing is available on tv is available now on console form because that's my preferred way of playing it. that's how i play the original that's been my favorite so far so i'm hoping this one can recapture the magic of the original yeah absolutely i i cannot wait to actually you know, sit down and play this. Like you said, Andre, you captured everything I feel about this perfectly. Uh, handheld mode, just for me, I mean, I may occasionally do that if I want to do routine, like, maintenance stuff, pull weeds, that kind of stuff, but my my main uh, way to play this will definitely be comfortable on my couch, just mm-hmm. chilling out, because that's what this game is for me. It's a way to it's a way to unwind and, and, still, and still game. Right. 
Yep. Well, speaking of Animal Crossing, uh, we also got some details about its online and offline play. And the big thing that has people talking is that they're only going to allow one town per console, despite, you know, all your different um, profiles. So, yeah. So, yeah. So you're all living in the same town then. You can't start a different island in a different profile. You're all locked into the same island. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I've seen some complaints about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I'm like, that's kind of the entire point of Animal Crossing. Like, I actually kind of like that. I think it's a cool little feature that you have this kind of, uh, this, this, this game that can exist both cooperatively and, uh, and independently. Like, you're playing by yourself typically when you're playing Animal Crossing, though you can, it should be mentioned, you can play co-op with your friends. I think four of them, um, at the same time, locally at least. And uh, and I like that. I like the fact that you have this persistent world that you can interact with each other through. Like that's kind of been the entire appeal. But at at you know on the other hand, I do I, I did see one person mention, for instance, I forget where it was. They mentioned how like one of their family members or one of their whoever that they'd be playing with has like near constant access to the switch, whereas they'd only be able to play themselves for maybe thirty minutes a day. So they're afraid of the town like far more representing that person than say themselves. So I guess I can kind of see that, but I still I still kind of I, I mean myself I love the idea of like you all kind of like living in this virtual town together and it you know and it's reflective of all of you, but. Yeah, uh, I'm with I'm with you on this, Andre. Um, so for me, and, and we were just talking about this, I see this my Switch as a deeply personal device. It's something I carry with me everywhere. It, it, to me, it it is mine and mine only, right? And I I got kids and stuff and other people in my family that have Switches. Um, so I don't see the uh, single island per console as being a huge problem. And I I totally understand there are people with different circumstances. Uh, you know. Not everybody can afford to buy more than one of these things. They're three hundred freaking dollars, uh, or if a Switch Lite, it's two hundred bucks. So there's definitely families out there that I'm sure swear that, uh, share their Switch or or use it primarily as like a home console. Uh, where where I but I kind of like that idea. Like you know, there's part of me that wants to install Animal Crossing on one of my Switches and just leave it docked, uh, so that when my daughter wants to play or or somebody else wants to play in my home that we're all kind of working off of the same island because uh, I do love the idea of signing in as myself and finding out like, oh, hey, you know, uh, Avery came over and planted some trees here and I'll, I'll harvest those and bring her back the, the fruit from them, you know, and drop mm-hmm. them in her house mm-hmm. or something. I, I love that idea. And I think that's kind of a continuation of what Animal Crossing has always been about, that social aspect. Right. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's what that's where the foundation for the series came from. Exactly. Well, wasn't right. there also that story a long time? I remember a long time ago how uh, somebody's mother or grandmother got really into Animal Crossing and just kept playing even when they were like sick with something and kept uh, playing the game long after. And then she finally passed, and the um, son or daughter uh, looked up the uh, booted up the game a while back, and they saw that they had kept playing up to this point and kept sending them letters and other. Uh, good uh, gifts and goodies and stuff like that. Long after he had stopped playing, so it's you know, yeah pulling the heartstrings a little bit too in that yeah, way. No, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I just I, I think that's one of the things that uh, ties people to Animal Crossing. It, it's almost like a way for people to drop their guard and and be more you know, like to communicate with each other. Uh, and that's a really cool aspect of the game. That's exactly what Nintendo intended. I think a long time ago, um, uh, Eguchi from... Communication game? Mm. 
Yeah, it was supposed to be a communication game, right. and, I, and I think Eguchi, and I could be mis, misattributing this, but he said that uh, part of the inspiration for the game was the loneliness he felt when he moved uh, to be part of Nintendo, because he, he had to move away from his family and his friends. Mm-hmm. And so he built this game to kind of help bridge that gap a, a little better, to help people understand that experience he had. And and hearing that, like, it, it really makes sense. But yeah, there's this kind of, like, low-key social aspect to the game, and um, I think it's something that resonates with a lot of people. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's kind of interesting uh, how the game mixes this this sense of community, both in the virtual sense and the real sense. Because, of course, you have the villagers, which are all AI-controlled, but then you do have the real-world uh, social interactions, too, whether it was playing on the same system originally or even now with the online interaction, too. So it is kind of interesting how like it kind of merges these two worlds or two ways of um, like socializing, I guess. <laughs> one being fake, one being real. <laughs> yeah. It feels it, real regardless. So Oh, yeah. And I remember like every time a villager would leave my village... I'd want to find like I'm like what did I do? <laughs> like why uh, why did you leave me? So there uh, was there was one villager in particular that my friends and I we we grew to hate for whatever reasons so and we were actively cheering to lose that villager <laughs> and trying to get trying to force him to move out and onto our friends' copy. Oh, that nice. was flash. Yep. So well, the, the one thing I'll say is that I, I like this mechanic. My ideal version of this, and this is always going to be like you can you can put my complaints about Nintendo into a bucket that just says I wish Nintendo was better at the internet. Um, but I they wish that buckets. this exact mechanic worked online. Like I would love to be able to set Same up here. an island and invite yep. seven of my friends to come live on it. Mm-hmm. That's it. I totally yeah. agree. That's my actually. That's one of the downsides I think to the Switch being a port or to this being on the console slash portable in that they had to make it accessible when it's offline and that kind of sucks because that basically prevents that very idea unless they made it so unless they could somehow rectify that if someone if two people are playing the same version of the island offline like what happens when they both log online right so right mm-hmm. um yeah i agree with you it would be cool like if we had like our own little game explain island that'd be amazing exactly that's what i was hoping for like not just from from a personal like fun standpoint but i was honestly and and uh, now that we know that it doesn't work this way, I can share this information without fear of uh, getting in trouble with Andre. But we were talking in the early days about planning a show around like Game Explain Island and having everybody log into it and all of us kind of, you know, like record vlogs or journals, if you will, about what we did on the island. And it could be like stuff like we we pranked each other, like putting pitfalls outside each other's houses or whatever, just some fun stuff. But uh, that won't be possible. <laughs> um, and hopefully in the future, you know, like Nintendo will at some point be forced to get good at the internet. <laughs> but um, for Boy. now, though, I mean this this is this is a great step in that direction. I love the idea that somebody can can get on my Switch and be on my island and actually be a resident of it. Like that's that's a huge first for the series. People haven't been able to live in your village ever before. Mm. Well. I th- wait, 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 hold on, sorry. What, what do you mean? Well, I'm a little bit confused by that. I don't think I don't think you've ever been able to have a human player live in your town. I could be wrong. No, I, well, I, wait. Isn't that how most of them worked? Like in the original game, you had four houses that four people could live in. Could you? Like yeah, other? Four different, oh, you're yeah, right. Four, yeah. Holy crap! I'm a loner. I don't have friends. <laughs> yeah, I've never played, no, so I can't correct you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you're totally right. Like I've. 
maybe I should have made some friends. I'm a terrible, <laughs> I'm a terrible human being. But yeah, so yeah that's why. That, I mean, I think that's why this kind of like this. The, right. Like that's why I like this idea. This is why it appeals to me because I've experienced it before, and it's cool that we can all like that. You and your family or whatever can live in the same town. Unfortunately, as you were saying, we ourselves can't because we don't live in the same house. Um, but I like that that concept is still there. That you can like all participate in the same town or island in this case. Mm-hmm. Well, the solution is clearly for us to buy a house together. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Game explain real think, world. Uh, yeah, I, am, I am looking at places, so maybe there, there we go, it. Andre. Just <laughs> buy a mansion somewhere in the middle of the country. It'll be there fine. We go. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's no doubt that uh, Animal Crossing is going to, use, to sell a lot, especially when you look at the sales of other games that Nintendo released last year. And if they're if those games are doing that well, Animal Crossing is going to be to do amazing. There's no doubt in my mind because uh, according to Nintendo's financial report, uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield has sold 16.818 million copies already, uh, which definitely surpasses any other Pokemon launch. Sun and Moon was 14.69 at this time in the same length of time. Even more impressive in my opinion because, you know, as Pokemon, of course, they're going to sell well. Luigi's Mansion 3 sold 5.37 million copies. That's even beating Mario Maker 2, which is only at 5.04 million, only. <laughs> Link's Awakening okay. Remake got 4.19 million sales. And even Mario Kart 8 got another 6.27 million uh, sales, uh, making its lifetime almost 23 million. Uh, other really impressive ones were Fire Emblem Three Houses at 2.58 million, Ring Fit Adventure at 2.17 million, Astral Chain at 1.03 million, and even Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 uh, got over 1 million sales. Um, if those games like uh, Ultimate Alliance and Astral Chain and Luigi's Mansion, which has never been a big seller for Nintendo, at least as far as I know, uh, are doing that well, holy crap, Animal Crossing is going to just do amazing it's time to bring back the it prints money jeff yeah yeah <laughs> oh man i i miss yeah. that i'm i miss that but <laughs> um too. yeah 16 million for pokemon is insane uh considering you know granted it was a a vocal minority but there was a lot of uh smack talk about the game leading up to its uh going oh, on everybody, sale even those people are smack talking we're gonna buy it just so they could rip into it that that is nothing to me like oh yeah that is no, such it's... empty words <laughs> yeah exactly i mean the, all the same people that talk crap about pokemon probably rushed out day one bought it played it and then continued to talk crap as though you know mm-hmm. it was terrible <laughs> um yeah, well yeah i actually bought two just to stream it but i don't think i would bother otherwise so <laughs> i you know so i will say this about pokemon um it was very underwhelming. So <laughs> I, I enjoyed the the fact that it was on a console. That was great. I loved being able to play Pokemon on my TV for the first time. I thought the animations and the UI were pretty nice. Um, but the, the story was a letdown, like a major, major letdown for me. Mm-hmm. And that's what I come to the table for. Like, I don't competitively play Pokemon. I don't complete my decks. You know, I, I find and build a good team and I have fun working with through the rpg the story and then and then usually i sign off until the next game (laughs) um and and that for me is fine like that's that's enough pokemon for me for a couple years um i just felt like sword and shield had the weakest story of probably any mainline game i've played personally but i i have not played them all yeah you're not wrong that that was definitely you you play the same way i do and 
I definitely felt underwhelmed by that, there, uh, at least as far as that aspect. There's a lot of other aspects I really enjoyed uh, and liked, but I, I don't feel like they took it full advantage of it. But, you know, that's just the way it is. We still have, you know, our first Pokemon game technically on a console, and it sold ex- extremely well. The expansion pass will probably do really well, and, yeah, Pokemon's not going anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. That's, um, see, that's that's why I'm a little disappointed. I loved Pokemon back on Red and Blue. Like it was such a new, fresh experience, and every game since then has not come anywhere close to feeling that new or that fresh. Um, and not that it needs to reach that high, but they, it feels like to me they're not even trying. Um, so this disappoints me a little bit. Like, hey, if you bought the game, you're happy with it. I'm happy for you. That's great. But for me, it's like, man, I really wish, like, now Game Freak has no incentive to really mix it up. Like, if it keeps selling, why change it, right? People seem to be liking it, so why would you change it? So I guess for me, like, for them to really pull me back in, I need something new. So I so I kind of wish it this had been their Skyward Sword moment where it was, like, you know, where it wasn't a good sell. You know, like, compared to the rest of the series, it wasn't that great selling. Um, so they had to shake it up with the subsequent one, which, of course, was Breath of the Wild. Pokemon, it, Pokemon doesn't have that, and it may never have that because of how they, because of their genius slash dubious way of bringing in children every generation, like brand yeah, new freshmen. I'm going to say this right now, Andre: you will never get back into the series. Yeah, you that's will, so sad to me. I it feel will like never happen. <laughs> there's so much potential there. There's so much you can do with it, and they don't. That's what saddens me. So I'm surprised no one else has really even attempted it, though. Like, why does another company try well, their Tem- take on Pokemon? Temtem try- just came out. Well, I believe I, I, that's like. Uh, oh, is it, that? It's you, the game everybody's talking that? about. Maybe that's that why. Maybe people, maybe people have tried it, just doesn't work. So that's usually the case. You know, we, we, there was a lot of. Other I know there been. I know there been like similar Pokemon games, but I want something that takes the idea of Pokemon, but does something entirely new with it. I don't know if we've, if we've seen that, or if we have. It was a minor release, so. Closest was Yokai Watch, and they ran that into the ground. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've tried Yokai Watch, and that wasn't very good to me. But. No, <laughs> me neither. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big it. Yokai Watch fan myself either. Um, yeah, you know what though? I I feel like, and this is complete tin hat, tin foil hat conspiracy theory garbage that I'm about to spew <laughs> into your ears. <laughs> what was um, a strong argument when you proceeded with that? I I feel like um, Game Freak did want to do something radically different and they just did not have the time or, or the necessary resources to make it happen. Like I look at the wild area and I see a prototype of a Pokemon game that they couldn't finish. Mm-hmm. Um, it runs poorly. I mean, it, se- it <laughs> seems like it'd be the case when both new areas in the expansion pass are like the wild area. So right. Exactly. The like, I, going. Right. I feel like this is what they wanted for a console Pokemon game and they realize like holy crap this is really hard and we'll take way too much time and money mm-hmm. and so they're like you know what let's take let's take what we know let's build some of what we wanted into it and then maybe maybe next go around or two goes around we'll we'll get this new formula nailed down and we'll release a game that'll really blow people's socks off so I'm, I'm not ready to write pokemon off yet i i think the series is definitely ripe for a change along with smash brothers <laughs> and um and i think well unlike smash brothers i i would be more willing to bet that we'll see a major change in pokemon soon i, I don't I think, think so. i don't think, I think so I, I, pokemon yeah, think is so one either. of the most like, traditional we'll games out there it is not going to change you'll get yeah, minor improvements but you're not going to get anything radically different yeah we'll see like a further evolution of the um wild of area. the wild area i'm sure but i don't know how, i don't know what form whether it's more of them or bigger ones who knows but i i'm with derek on this i i think 
I mean, especially with sales this strong, like, isn't it the fastest selling Pokemon game at this point? Yes, it is. Yeah, why, why would they no. risk? I mean, from a business perspective, why would you risk screwing that up? <laughs> that's um, that's totally fair, and you're probably yeah. right. I just. I don't know. There's something in my gut that tells me to, to hold on. I, I, hope right. I, I, hope, I hope you're right. I don't know, Steve. I've followed, covered in uh, Pokemon for a long time now, and it's I know what to expect. <laughs> totally fair. Totally fair. But I, um, I, I hope you're wrong, but I, I, somewhere in my heart of hearts, I know you're right. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, too. I hope, yeah. I hope we're both wrong. I hope me and Derek are wrong. So We'll see. But the last little bit of uh, po- uh, Pokemon Company taking our money is they gave more details <laughs> about Pokemon Home. Uh, which basically they're going to have two plans, a basic plan, which is free and a premium plan. Uh, so you can move, uh, they, they have sort of a comparison chart here, which I'll go over really quick. So of course there's the existing Pokemon bank. If you want to move your Pokemon from Pokemon bank over to Pokemon home, you're going to need premium. Uh, the number of Pokemon you can deposit at a time in Pokemon home. If you're using free, it's only up to 30. So you're basically putting them over into home and then you're going to want to transfer them to something else. If you just want to get them into the most recent game, for example, store them there. You can store 30. You can store 30 there. However, if you pay the premium, you can store up to 6,000 Pokemon. Uh, So you can really, you know, do a lot with them. Um, There's also a uh, Wonder Box, uh, which I forget what that exactly does. (laughs) I don't know what that is. But the bigger thing is that there's also um, the Global Trade System, which is not in Sword and Shield. However, you can do that uh, with through home, uh, even in the free one. You can put up a random Pokemon, uh, and actually, you can say, "I'm looking for this Pokemon," uh, or somebody's like, "You know, I'll offer up this Pokemon, but I want this in exchange." And you can do that, and you can do that for one Pokemon at a time. With the basic plan for premium, it's three. Po- you can do it with up to three Pokemon. Uh, you can do room trades with basic, but you can host rooms as well with the premium. Uh, and there's a judge function in the premium as well. So what's the cost? You can you uh, can either spend two ninety nine a month or sixteen dollars for the year, uh, which is kind of up there uh, as far as price, especially compared to bank. But there is a bit more um, content here. Still, people are not happy about it because, again, bank was only five bucks a year. It's a lot more ex- uh, expansive, and you know people are going to find ways to complain one way or another. But it does have the national Pokedex. You can put any Pokemon in there. You just can't get any of those Pokemon into Sword and Shield unless it's been approved or anything like that, or the updates gone through. Um, so, yeah, those are the details on Pokemon Home. It's it's about what I expected. The global trade system stuff is nice, but it's exactly what I expected. I will say that chart is just kind of insane looking at it. Like, all the little, uh, you know, the, the, the Venn diagram it has, all the overlapping bubbles. Like, why is Pokemon so complicated? I don't <laughs> get this. Um, so, yeah, as one who, you know, clearly doesn't play much Pokemon these days, I don't know how much my opinion matters. Um, I'm mostly okay with this, but one thing does stand out to me that I think is a little lame. So, in, if I understand correctly, Derek, in order to transfer Pokemon from Pokemon Bank to Pokemon Home, you need two subscriptions, right? One for each of them. Yeah, so if you've already had if you already have Pokemon Bank, you need to get a subscription to Pokemon Home as well in order to I transfer. Hate that. Yeah, I hate. That. I didn't even think about that aspect. That is really dumb, especially because yeah, you can't do it in basic. If you have Pokemon Bank, you should get a free one-time push to Pokemon Home. It gives you I don't know 
however, like a week or a month, some some sort of free period, so you can sort your crap out before you have to commit to paying for it. Because I I just hate the idea. You need two separate subscriptions to get your Pokemon from one game to another. <laughs> yeah, um, I I personally. I understand why people are upset that Pokemon Home is sixteen bucks. I mean, Switch Online is twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it basically and, doubles your price. Yeah. Yeah. So so oh, we so consider wait, the fact wait, that you, wait, hold up, sorry, real quick. Do you need do you need NSO for this stuff too? Uh, no, because okay, uh, all right. I'm like, do you need three subscriptions? You, you can actually <laughs> access all of this through your mobile phone as well because it does have uh, okay. All right. it, it can work eventually with I think the Go games as well. I think yeah. Uh, and it, it'll work it with Let's Go and all that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of games that are compatible, and you can do it all through your phone, which does make it pretty nice. But there is that aspect. <laughs> is it? Yeah, the I feel. App? I feel like if they <laughs> no. stick with this service and they don't and they don't shelve it like they they're trying to do with Pokemon Bank, I, right. I think that's this is eventually supposed to replace Bank, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So so if they stick with this, then this might be a good value in like three or four pokemon generations where where now you have like a ton of games that that you don't have to go through a crazy rigmarole to get you know your pokemon moved back and forth i could see it being worth it later down the line right now though uh as somebody who like andreas is a very casual fan um you know or maybe even a lapsed fan um it, it is really hard to find value in this. Like the one thing that i think is kind of cool is that i can go on the 3DS virtual console play red and then transfer that into bank, you know, and move them essentially through most games. Like, I think you have to, what, from from red, you you can move them into, uh, like, black and white, I think is I, the next I one. don't know if you can take it into black and white. I think you can only take it to, from the 3DS games onward. Oh, okay. I, um, I don't know for sure. It might even just be Sun and Moon and Sword and Shield at this point. No, Wait, I, I'm no, certain I, there's some, there some reference to, to black the... and white in that diagram. If I could find it, I, I um, might be. Wrong. Wasn't there some way to get the classic Pokemon in there? There is, but he's but he, not first gen because we're talking about the 3ds versions of. Oh, those. okay, I see. That's where I got. Uh, it. You could right. get your up from Gen three all the way up there. It's complex and takes forever, but you could do it. <laughs> um, if you, but most people right, at this point, that's what it was. I, I know most Pokemon fans have a living Dex at this point. If you're a hardcore fan, most of them have a living living Dex. So all they have to do is take that living Dex, put it into home, and then new game comes out, transfer it over. Hey, I have a new my. My poke my Pokedex is complete. Cool, and that's all. That, it takes. that is kind of cool. I, I think for hardcore fans, this is this is something that has some value. I think for most everybody else, that right now this this isn't great. Right, <laughs> um, it's, it's a weird thing. I, I, like I, I said, though, I would I would love to check back in on this in like six or seven years when you, when you have a, a backlog of games and hopefully hopefully they continue to support Pokemon Home and don't replace it with something else. Yeah, we'll see. Pokemon World. <laughs> they are. <laughs> then Pokemon Universe. Or no, Pokemon Galaxy. Then Pokemon Universe. Then Pokemon I, Fourth Dimension. <laughs> I, I still want them to just to just go full in on this and say Pokemon is now an online game as a service. And we'll add new Pokemon in, in content updates. Like, <laughs> That's Pokemon Go, dude. Again, you're going way too ambitious. <laughs> oh, no, I know I am. That one for sure is not <laughs> happening anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But, but it's I, just, I since I was a kid, that's what I've wanted, and I keep hoping that someday they'll announce that. But I'm sure, like they'll announce it when I'm on my deathbed. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, "Is Steve almost dead?" Announce the Pokemon <laughs> Online. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nice. All right. Revive well, the Masuda robot. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's go ahead and get into our Patreon topics. Uh, as always, for just $1 a month, you guys can support us over on Patreon. Get these uh, podcasts three days early every Friday, as well as offer up topics and games like the ones we have here, and access to our VIP room in our Discord. So, Steve, it's been a while since we've had you on, so why don't you go ahead and go first? Okay. Uh, Elliot Skelly writes... Hey, Game Explain, what are the games or series you obsess over but nobody else gives a damn about? Inspired by the Patapon 2 PS4 release and Greg Miller's overhype. <laughs> Shots fired. Um, oh, man. So I picked this one because I have a Nintendo franchise that nobody gives a damn about oh. that I love. And, mm. and maybe it's unfair to say nobody because everybody loves Nintendo. But my pick would be custom robo oh i effing love that game like (laughs) it was the cheesiest anime garbage but it was so good like i i was addicted to this like i've played through the story of custom robo probably eight or nine times and it, it it's an awful story i don't play it for that i just love the fighting mechanics, customizing my robot. Like, you can make Ray so damned OP in that game. Like, you, you can one-shot, like, final boss-level enemies as long as you know how to how to build out your bot. Like, it, it's so fun, and I have no clue why Nintendo never, ever, ever released a sequel to this. It, it's... Mm-hmm. If you haven't played Custom Robo, like, one, it's probably super cheap. <laughs> I can't imagine. Like, like it, it might be actually one kind. of those rare games that are actually. I know. I should check expensive. that. Like, I'm going to check that right now. I'm going on eBay and looking for custom Robo, so I can get you the worst <laughs> yeah. possible price. So um, yeah, but, but custom Robo. Okay, okay. So there was custom Robo Arena for the DS, which I I've never been able to find. Uh, but yeah, what kind of super fan are you? Ski? <laughs> yeah, so you exactly. proclaim whoa, whoa, whoa. to be a fan, but I'm a super fan of custom Robo for the GameCube, buddy. <laughs> I've. I honestly, my my DS collection, like there are some games that just slipped through my fingers. Like Goemon for the DS was one I always wanted to play and never did. Um, Custom Robo is up there too, though. But um, Custom Robo Arena is like eight bucks, so I guess I'm buying that. And at some point, nice. maybe I, I'd say I'd stream it. But we covered how bad that is to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll share the impressions in a tweet. But it's like twenty bucks, twenty bucks on oh, eBay really? for I'm actually surprised for it's not cheap. Yeah, I've never me too. Played it myself, I'm so finding some for like intrigued. 13 bucks. This game is fan effing tastic. Like it's cheesy and goofy and fun. Like I can't recommend it enough. But um, what about you guys? Do you do you guys have a uh, a franchise that doesn't get the love you think it deserves? Oh, I think everyone knows my franchise. Yeah, we <laughs> we know call, on calling a franchise is generous. <laughs> Don't race oh FX, God. baby. Hell yeah. No one else in the world cares except for me. Well, well, um, it worked because you got it. So, uh, what yeah, is, what it's on mean? the SNES class, or oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah that's true. It finally, I, I think I will. Yeah, I, I think I, you you were the one, Steve. Like I willed that into existence. Yeah, <laughs> like, man, I, you you I'm bent the, the only universe. reason that game exists <laughs> on yeah Nintendo Switch Online. Um, but to get away from the obvious one, there are a couple other games I would say I have a similar level of passion for, but not nearly as vocal about them. And I would put. One I would say is Beyond Good and Evil, but I know that's kind of like a kind of well-known game, despite the fact no one ever bought it. So the other game I would say that I would like, I would be so excited for they announce a sequel to would be Beetle Adventure Racing. 
This game was fantastic <laughs> on the Nintendo 64. Uh, just providing a really a really fun-filled sense of adventure in a racing game. Uh, giving you It only had six tracks, but felt like so much more. But each track was basically like ten Mario Kart tracks rolled into one. There were shortcuts everywhere. There were shortcuts within shortcuts. The levels were dynamic with uh, all kinds of things changing as you're going through them. Like a T-Rex comes after you at some point. It was so good. So fun. Um, and it also had this a really cool collection system where you were trying to collect points while going through it, like actual like hidden boxes, and it just added so much to the adventure style of gameplay they were going for. So yeah, you're, you're going my... to need to start streaming that one now for uh, hey. N64 and Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> I should. I'm in. <laughs> Let's do it. Is that an EA right, game about... though? EA EA wants nothing to do with the Switch. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Derek? Have you got a uh, underloved franchise? Uh, honestly, I'd, put, I'd say Valkyria Chronicles. <laughs> That's definitely one that I loved for a long time and never seemed to get any love in the West. Although we did get four, so that that was very nice to see four come over there. I still don't know if it did that well, but I'll take it. At least I got a sequel mm-hmm. uh, that is uh, definitely improved upon the original. Um, is really quite good. But one that actually came to my mind even before that is I don't even know if I'd say I. Like, love the game, but I find it so memorable, and nobody ever talks about it. It was a Wii game that I rented, uh, and I just really enjoyed my time with it. It's uh, called Fragile Dreams. Uh, oh, yes. And I only rented it, and I like want to find an actual physical copy uh, to get in my collection again because it's been forever since I played it. And I don't think it, I don't think the gameplay is like that amazing or anything, but it had such a vibe to it that I clicked yeah. with, and uh, I'd, I'd love to come back to it sometime. Incredible world building in that game. Mm-hmm. Like everything was just so atmospheric and and engrossing. Like and, and it, it it was in the beginning. It's very like creepy. Yeah, it's there's uh, a scary yeah, element I never to it. it. It was good. I, 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 I really enjoyed. Like I played through the entire thing with my rental, but I never bought it myself, and I really wish I had. Yeah, so. that, that's definitely one that I wish I I had picked up. Like I, I had an import version, and back then my Japanese wasn't nearly as good as it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there were definitely parts that I just did not understand. Uh, yeah. So I would love to play through it in English, like properly. Yeah. Uh, I and remember there was some scandal surrounding edits. <laughs> Say what? That game's never going to get re-released. So oh, yeah, got to no. find an original no. copy. Yeah, there there was a... Correct me if I'm wrong, but there was some scandal due to censorship in that game when it came out. Was in there? America. I don't remember. I want to say they edited out like a trans character or, or something. They changed they they changed the gender of a character or removed a a kissing scene or something. Hmm. There there was Maybe. some small controversy about it. But. There's always some small controversy with yeah. those games. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll figure that one out <laughs> eventually. But, <laughs> but yeah, I it was it was a fantastic really game. I'm I'm really glad to hear someone bring it up. Mm-hmm. Really like it, and again, well, it'll never get re-released. So eventually, I want to track down an original copy. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, I never heard of it. So yeah, it's I think it's more of an adventure game. It, yeah. It, okay. It, well, I like adventure games. Or or what kind? Do you mean like point and click style? No, or? not point and click style. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> no, a three. It's it's a three D adventure game. All right, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. Apparently, I'll, it's I'll only like about it. thirty bucks on online. So. Oh, I'll have to look into that at some point. Pick it up. So, nice. but it's 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 a good time. It's I don't know if you'll if you'll like it, Andre, because it's a bit. It, well, it's definitely anime inspired. So <laughs> I don't know if that's your thing, but 
We'll see. Uh, what do I have? Why would you think I like anime, Derek? What would ever give you that impression? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said you don't like anime, so that's why you probably wouldn't, might not get into it. Yeah, that's what that's. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, do you want to go next, or should I, Andre? Sure. So this one comes to us by way of a name I'm going to mispronounce, and that is Kellyam Beckinsale, who asks. Hey GX, wondering what your thoughts are surrounding game remakes and remasters, and how they often become the definitive versions, effectively replacing the originals. This isn't the case for old films and books, and while I understand updating games to newer tech standards, uh, I personally love having widescreen and other things for games like Sonic 3, it seems a little strange in some instances. I'm playing Half-Life games for the first time, and all my friends wondered why I didn't play the remake Black Mesa instead of the original Half-Life, but I wanted to play the original as, as if I were there on release day, even though I'm sure Black Mesa is the overall better experience. I think playing the original versions has a great way of uh, has a great deal of historic value to it, and lets us appreciate sequels far more when they develop the games and tech, or sorry, the design and tech. Hope that uh, hope that question makes sense, and thanks for the great podcast. Hey, well, thank you for the kind words there. So, um, no, I'm actually with you on this. Um, there are uh, this is why I'm kind of like inherently uh, hesitant of remakes and uh remasters like i feel like if you're gonna remake the game i kind of want you to just go nuts with it and just change it up entirely to make it effectively something new because i'm one who's often not always but oftentimes a purist like if i want to experience a game for the first time um i i tend to like to do it as it was originally presented because that's the way everyone who designed the game was basing it around like every facet was supporting each other um for the design of that game. So whenever you change something, um, even if it may be objectively better, it can sometimes be at the expense of like intangible things you may not recognize otherwise. Even looking at um, the Ocarina of Time remake, for instance, on 3DS, which which by and large is pretty great. There are like subtle tweaks to it that you know to the visuals and the you know art style that kind of influence how you perceive things. Uh, in a way that wasn't designed originally or wasn't intended originally. Um, that's not necessarily for the worse, but I do like experiencing things as they were originally meant to. Um, there are a few cases where, um, you know, where I myself I would consider a remake or a remaster the definitive version. Definitive version, say Wind Waker HD, for instance. Like I actually like that game, but I didn't like the original. But you know, if you want to experience a game as, as it was originally intended to be played. I would say go with the original, you know, check out the original, see if you like that, and then if not, then maybe give the remake a try. Since I already knew I didn't like the original, um, I, you know, I was more open to the remake. But yeah, for me, it's, for, for me, like, I tend to gravitate toward the originals, because that's how, that's the design everyone who was involved with it originally had in mind. Mm-hmm. I think Square Enix is pretty good about offering remakes that don't replace the original, because we have, um, of course, Seven coming out, and that's so radically different from the original. I don't think it's going to replace it. I think there's absolutely still going to be. People oh, that's a totally different prefer, game. Prefer. Yeah, exactly. But there's also other ones like Final Fantasy IV on the DS. Like you have the original release that people still love and have those sprites and it looks gorgeous, or you have this 3D remake that re- uh, shifts some things and. Um, you know, makes things harder. Actually, I've heard a, I've heard from a lot of super fans of four that the things they changed completely threw them off and made it a much harder mm-hmm. experience for them, which is really cool. Um, I like aspects like that, but sometimes remakes are kind of necessary. The one that immediately comes to mind is the original Metroid to Zero Mission. Uh, it's going back to the original Metroid, like I've played a little bit of it, never really gone through all of it because it's just so, uh, 
weird. There's no map. <laughs> you have no map mm-hmm. in that game, and everything looks a lot alike. Movement and stiff is it just feels so different from what you get from Super Metroid onward. And I think that Zero Mission definitely improves. Like if you're going to play the original, that's the version you want to play, unless you really want to go old school and see what it was like for people who did that, as you said. Um, but uh, even like I was thrown off when I played the Mega Man uh, X uh, game on, I forget the, what they called it, but uh, Maverick Hunter X, that's it, on PSP, uh, because you always get the dash boots from Chill Penguin stage, and they changed that in this. So I actually spent a good bit of time like, where do I get the dash boots at in this game? Because this is actually making it a wholly different experience. <laughs> and I still prefer the original, uh, absolutely, but I like the kind of remix that the remake brought. So, yep. yeah. What about you, Steve? Steve? Um, I'm I'm kind of... I, I would say I'm a purist in some cases, but not in most. Uh, and there's there's a number of factors that, that go into that. Uh, for one, I, if you want to play these games the way they're intended, you got to have a lot of old stuff laying around now. <laughs> like, you need Genesis carts, you know, or, or NES cartridges. Because um, if you really want to go, like, full purist, you... you have to have the hardware they were played on right and that's becoming harder and harder to use uh you know our, our tvs don't have connectors for nes's or or uh, genesis's or whatever right so true but let's you, assume we're talking for the sake of the argument let's assume we're talking about like mostly accurate ports or like the nintendo switch online and the nes and snes games for instance right. sure sure yeah. even then so I'll, I'll give an example uh one of the first games i reviewed on the channel was fantasy star the sega ages version uh, that's a game I played when I was like five, um, and the Sega Ages version I would much, much, much prefer to play <laughs> uh, because it, it just like Derek's uh, Metroid example, Fantasy Star did not have a map for its dungeons, which made them incredibly difficult to navigate. Whereas Sega Ages, you know, adds that in for me, so now I can see where I've been, and and it's just a simple change that makes the game infinitely. Uh, more fun to play because I'm no longer stressing out spending three, four hours walking around a dungeon, not know because it all looks the same. Mm-hmm. Um, Back in the time where, and I think even Metroid has this, you're gonna you need to map out yourself where you're going. Exactly, like in the '80s, I sat down with graph paper and just penciled in little squares, which is is the definition of tedium. <laughs> um, but um, you know, so so there are. I would say the majority of the time I'm going to recommend to someone that they play the improved version, unless this is somebody who who has a clear interest in the history of game design, because I do think you learn a lot about the limitations of an era. You know, the three of us in this in, in on this episode of the podcast uh, are fortunate in that we have seen a great a, the vast majority of the progression of modern gaming. Like we've all played an NES. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we were all there. Um, and, and a lot of our listeners uh, did not have that. They they grew up maybe with N64 as their first console, you know, and or, or GameCube even, or, or in some crazy cases, Wii, which makes me feel ancient. Um, <laughs> so those folks didn't, you know, they might not have that background and that understanding that like, yeah, there was a time in games where the best you could do was get like a... a eight pixels to run around on a screen and fire one pixel, you know, um, incredibly basic stuff by today's standards. Um, 
you know, so if you have an interest in the history of game design, I would always recommend go back and play the original so you can understand how limited things were uh, and, and just how much they've evolved. But if you're if you're someone like us that that has that background and has that history, um, I would be much more inclined to tell you, like, go have fun. Go go enjoy like the the improvements to games were often made for a reason. Yeah. Um, but even I mean, improvements is still subjective, right? Like there were improvements to Majora's Mask 3D <laughs> that I totally disagreed with. For right, instance. It, but it, I, know, it does make it easier to play. But I greatly appreciated them because I had a hell of a time with the original Majora's Mask that I stopped playing. So I'd rather be able right. to actually play the game rather than not. <laughs> yeah, but you weren't. You were playing a different version of the game. True, but I still <laughs> experienced yeah, the basic game. To a, yeah, to, I mean, to a, to an extent, in that case, I would almost argue you didn't, <laughs> because it's so fundamental, like the whole time element, and they kind of right. changed how some of that worked. So it, it is really difficult, Andre, because I'm with you. I think that the original Majora's Mask for me is is the better version, mm-hmm. um, because I, I liked the, I, I felt that the stress was immersive, right? Like, like yeah, I did too. It, it made me feel like I was the atmosphere. part of this world where everything was going to go to hell soon. <laughs> Um, and there's there's and there's no escape valve. Like if you screw up, that's it. You start that three day cycle over. Exactly. Um, there's no way around it. Yeah. So so I I personally would would go back to the N64 version. Unlike but but then uh, conversely, Ocarina of Time, I would play that on the 3DS again before I boot up my N64 cart. So I, I do think it's like a case by case situation, and it, it it's hard to make a blanket recommendation. Uh, so because I have an interesting. I have an interesting point of view or me or a specific example i suppose for me um and that is so I, I was never really a huge crash bandicoot fan just because i didn't have it but i did i always appreciated the series like when i see it at kiosks and whatnot i mean that was partially because like it was a super impressive game for its time like it looked great um especially on the playstation like it looked you know it wasn't mario 64 but it looked pretty darn good and better in some ways um so when i played the crash bandicoot remake Objectively, it it looks way better. I mean, straight up, like there's no argument. But it felt like it lost a little something because, uh, for me at least, playing the remake, it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it looks good, but it's not, you know, it's not pushing any boundaries these days. Whereas the original did, and I kind of appreciated it on that level, like on a technical level. And so I felt like I was almost lo- I was almost losing something by having better graphics in the remake versus playing the original version of the game. Right. I, um, yeah, I can see that, but there's other changes that made the game, playing those games a lot nicer, especially the original. Like the fact that um, you don't have, um, you don't have to like you die and have a checkpoint. You lose all the boxes that you broke before that checkpoint, uh, and mm-hmm. have to just do a perfect run. Uh, that definitely had some uh, issues. That actually reminds me. I mean, it's kind of a kind of goes by that line. I know you're going more graphics with Crash Bandicoot, but Banjo-Kazooie. We have the original Banjo-Kazooie where you died and lost all your notes, and then we have the uh, release on Xbox 360 where they got rid of that. Which one do you prefer? I don't know, man. That's tough. <laughs> this is like a Sophie's Choice here. But I, I thought that actually was a really that was, that's one of the better done ports. I thought because that was pretty faithful to the original games. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really have any major issues with that. I don't recall like really missing that element. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But like that's a yeah that's a, that's an example of like like that's another game though. Even though it was on Xbox and looked dated, obviously it still looked good to me. Like I still appreciated for what it was able to do at the time and the hardware it it was on. And I'm not sure if I felt the same way had it been given like a full 
Crash style remake. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Potentially, yeah. I, I can definitely see where you're going, but it's, it's the comparison between the two. Like, I, I know, I mean, we could go again to Final Fantasy. That does look like it's like it pushed the graphics at the time when Final Fantasy VII originally came out, and it certainly seems to be still pushing those graphics. Uh, in 2020. That's true. Actually, that's a good example. That's also a whole different game, though. I think that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the difference there. Like that effectively is a whole different game. It only shares See, the, the core skeleton. You know, they're, they're, the interesting thing though that Derek's bringing up, and and I agree with, is that in a way, though, by being a wholly different game, Final Fantasy VII almost uh, stays more true to the spirit of the original than most yeah. remakes because pushing boundaries. It, yeah. it is pushing boundaries both mechanically, which Final Fantasy VII did. Like it was mm-hmm. an RPG, sure, and we consider it these days to be traditional, but it introduced some elements that were kind of new to the genre. Like like mm-hmm. it was a genre defining game and final fantasy VII, it was also just a technical showcase like final fantasy 7 you might look at it now and think it's hilariously simple but back mm-hmm. then like those were mind-blowing graphics mm-hmm. uh just seeing yeah. you know like the final battle between cloud and sephiroth and having them both be full-size models like that was <laughs> nuts and yeah. uh final fantasy 7 the remake you know it, it captures that spirit it is it is a game that you know Derek, you and I have both played the demo several times. Well, not the demo. I should I should go back and say we've not played the, the demo, demo that people are talking about. We've played the E3 demo. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it's hard to believe that that's running on a current-gen system. Like, when yeah, I look mm-hmm. at it, I'm like, I had no idea that the s- standard PS4 could look this good. Yeah. <laughs> So, so it's it's a it's a hard question. It really is just a case by case basis what you feel at that time, and what you're looking for when you play that game. It, it yeah, really comes exactly. I don't think I could recommend any one one strategy consistently. Like you'd mm-hmm. have to tell me what game it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, well, I'll go ahead and do my topic. This comes from Hustle Bun. He says, uh, maligned or forgotten sequels that deserve more love. Hey, GX Crew, are there any game sequels that people are too harsh on or maybe forgot completely? For Ash, I would mention Mega Man 4 on the NES. While I think 2 and 3 deserve the love they get, I found 4's soundtrack to be be perfection and I love the level designs. Chrono Cross is another sequel I love, bogged down by an overcomplicated plot, but saved by an incredible... Uh, by incredible battle mechanics and all-time soundtrack and some tear-jerking connections to the first game. I love Shala. So, yeah, I mean, right off the bat, I completely agree with Chrono Cross. I haven't replayed it in a long time, but I did really enjoy my time with Chrono Cross. But I actually found a sequel that nobody ever mentions or seems to actively dislike. And I, I was part of that crowd until I actually played through the entire game and realized... Holy crap, this is kind of a forgotten gem, and that's Castlevania Lords of Shadow. I knew it was Castlevania. I knew it. What else have I been playing? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, which one was it? Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2. So it's the reboot series, you know, take a new timeline and all that. It's the sequel, and nobody really talked about it. In fact, I, I remember seeing reviews that just were not kind, and I played a little bit of the beginning, and. The thing I've learned is that Mercury Steam, Steam, at least with their Lords of Shadow games, sucks at openings. They like mm-hmm. try to like look at all the things we can do, and it just doesn't come to a cohesive whole, and it ends up being a little boring or just not quite right. Just doesn't click with you. But give Lords of Shadow two the time, and it has a great combat system, a, an interesting story with some 
pretty fantastic moments and a, um, you know, it, it's the best realization of a 3D Symphony of the Night where you can fully explore two different areas, uh, both the, ca- the castle and uh, a city. And it all comes together really well and nobody ever talks about it. It's crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think in that case, people just um, I don't remember with Lord of the Shadow, right? I don't yeah. remember that blowing people away originally. Like it seemed to be a fine game, but I don't think it really impressed too many. So I think it, there just wasn't much hype going into the sequel. Mm-hmm. And it also came out it came out near the end of the generation too, right? I so believe I people so. Kind of, people were just kind of over it, I think. So I think that's why I probably got overlooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it came out in 2014, so it was definitely towards the end of that cycle, I think. Oh wait! Oh, then would have been wait. Was it what system was it on? PlayStation Three and Xbox Three Sixty. Yeah, that had, that that was at the end. Then that was at the very that was that was at the very end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes get the years mixed up, but that I I don't know. I, I think that's a bit of a gem if you know what you're getting in for. Uh, I think you can have a lot of fun with it, especially if you give it a bit of a chance to get to let it show what it can do. Yeah, I'm not. And I know you're notorious about. Yeah, (laughs) I trust me. I know. But like I said, both Lords of Shadow one and two have some pretty rough openings. Like they do. Like Mm -hmm. two has this like big set piece that kind of works, but it's also so guided it doesn't really work. And the rest of the game isn't quite like that. And but uh, there are other set pieces that work so much better later in the game, like this train sequence that. Uh, your boat that mixes in like an action set piece, like you're like dodging things and uh, going along the, uh, the this moving train and do- uh, dodging things like that, uh, to an active boss battle where you're taking on this one guy who just keeps harassing you and throwing you into other train uh, uh, cars. Uh, and then when you get thrown into those train cars, they have these super enemies that you just cannot defeat, and they usually require a stealth section. Section, so you got to quickly stealth around them and keep moving because that guy's still coming after you. It is a <laughs> wonderful sequence that combines all the elements, and one of my favorites in the game. It's really good. Nice. Nice. So, what about you guys? I'll have to give it a shot sometime. I've never picked it up. It's a bit God of Warish yeah. if you want to get the, the just basic idea. God of Warish with some self sections, but I think it works. Okay. What about you guys? Any sequels that, that uh, are that you enjoy that nobody else does? Majora's Mask. <laughs> I don't think that's true. literally okay, one other person in this group enjoys this, and Derek <laughs> likes the 3DS uh, version. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't count. Oh, <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, I've got, I've got a couple, but I'll go with I'll go with a big one. I think a game that I see I never see any love for this game, and it really makes me sad. It tears me up each time, and that is Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. <laughs> this game is brilliant and did not get a fair shake by people simply because it's not a standard Banjo Kazooie. It has some elements of Banjo Kazooie, but it is very different on the whole, and it is just as good for it. Like it is a, just a fantastic game. That did things before they were popular. Like it, it did things that's not even done that well these days, even. But I feel like it was kind of like a, almost like a proto version of Minecraft, only on a smaller level. Where instead of designing entire worlds, you're of course designing vehicles. And I loved how they gave you these puzzles, these challenges, in which uh, the solution was left up to you. You needed to make the vehicle to make that solution happen. Whether it's like you know getting a, getting something from point A to point B, or kicking a soccer ball into a goal. Who knows what going on? Some kind of like aerial, you know run who knows um but it was all left up to you using the parts you found you to make the vehicles um and that was just so much fun that process of like puzzle solving using your creations 
And on top of that, it just had a just a fantastic presentation. It looked amazing. It still looks good. And it just it, like it was clear to me that so much love went into that game um, through the you know with the presentation with just the same great dialogue we've come to know from the from the Banjo Kazooie series. Uh, tons of like great fourth wall fourth wall breaks, including um, oh, I forget the main characters now. The Master of Games, I think, just making started making fun of the <laughs> of the entire genre of games like it's like you know, 3d platformers are old hat we gotta try something else something new here and unfortunately no one liked it but i think they even make a joke about that in the game we're like yeah we won't make a sequel to this or something <laughs> and they were right <laughs> hey. um yeah nuts and bolts is just a misunderstood gem so i think on the whole the presentation looks good i think the character designs for banjo kazooie suck even I like those. Oof. I actually quite like the blocky design. No, I don't like so. the blocky design. I think it looks kind of <laughs> ugly, honestly. Well, what do you know, Derek, about character <laughs> designs? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> what about you, Steve? Any uh, so, unliked sequels that you like? This is going to sound interesting because this game gets a lot of love, but not from <laughs> nearly as many people as it should. <laughs> um, my My maligned sequel is street fighter three hmm and i remember at the time it did not get a lot of love exactly it it literally killed the genre for almost a decade (laughs) um and and these days there's like a small but but you know uh dedicated scene of of fighting game uh aficionados that love third strike like third strike is a staple at evo now um but when you go from a game like Street Fighter 2 that basically dominated the gaming discourse for the better part of a decade that defined the 90s um, to, to you know, basically the series dropping off a cliff, uh, it's really hard for me to, to say that it got what it deserved. Uh, Street Fighter 3 was a mechanically and visually just this incredible game. Like, its animation for a 2D sprite-based fighter in the late 90s was, like, leaps and bounds above what other people were doing. Uh, SNK shot back with Mark of the Wolves, which, I mean, arguably is is has fared worse in, in the annals of fighting game history. But, um, yeah, I mean, Street Fighter didn't become popular again until they released 4, which basically just cribbed street fighter 2's formula and and Mm -hmm. you know went back to basics as it were um so it's kind of like capcom has shied away from doing more complex fighting games since then and and including more uh i don't want to say including more like reaction based but mechanics that require uh timing and precision are kind of less emphasized especially in street fighter 5 now so um i think that if Street Fighter 3 got the love it deserved, we would have a much more technical series than we do now. Um, I just wonder if it would ever get the reach that, that uh, 4 fortunately did. I, I think that they've been not doing so hot with 5, and I'm curious to see where they take the series from here. But 3 was three was just an incredible game. For me, it was one of my... It, it remains in my top 3 fighting games of all time. And I, I just wish more people had... Uh, had taken a closer look at it when it was new because it may have uh, changed the direction that the series went in. Mm. That's very possible. I think five has kind of recovered itself as well because I didn't three like like nobody really talks about the first and second versions of three. It's always third strike, so. yeah, which is interesting because uh, St- Street Fighter three and and I think the second one was called W Impact or maybe that was the Dreamcast version, mm-hmm. um, or maybe it was just called Second Impact. I think it's Second um, Impact. Yeah, Second Impact, I think, is it. I, I got the double pack on Dreamcast <laughs> as a kid, and that was pretty much the only way I played it. 
Um, and then Third Strike came out, and then people kind of stopped talking about the first two. But um, And I think that was really more down to... Uh, I mean, there were definitely under-the-hood tweaks that made the game... You know, I think it was a bit faster. It was a bit more responsive. Uh, but they added in Chun-Li, which was, like, a huge thing back then. Like, they... Mm-hmm. You know, because one of the main complaints was that Capcom really shook up the roster with three. You only had <laughs> Ryu and Ken. And then by the time Third Strike came, we at least had Akuma and Chun-Li as well. Yeah. Um, but now a lot of those characters that were introduced in 3 are so common. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, they brought them all back for 4 for the most part. Like, mm-hmm. Yoon and Yang and Elena and, you know... Ibuki. Uh, uh, yeah, Ibuki, which is one of my favorites. She's, like, my second behind Ryu. Like, I'm I'm a total uh, basic dude, and I, <laughs> I love playing as Ryu in every Street Fighter game. Uh, but Ibuki is... is amazing like i think uh before arcade edition she was just like a combo machine like you could it was so easy to pick her up and and learn her but uh after arcade edition yun and yang were pretty much like the top the top characters that everyone was using but Mm -hmm. uh yeah i think i think that uh i i would love for them to re-release three as like an hd version and and let people have i know we got like street fighter three quote unquote hd but Man, that was ugly. Oh, <laughs> like, was it? I, that's the only. That's why I was like, "Oh, I thought we did," but I didn't. Realize yeah, it was, it, it was just upscaled. Like they they didn't touch up the pixel art at all, so it, it looks pretty bad. Um, Yikes! <laughs> I, I wish we would have gotten like the udon treatment and gotten redrawn sprites, but with with the level of animation they had, I'm guessing that Capcom just looks at that and they're like, "Yeah, that's way too much work." <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Uh, I thought you are a purist, Steve. I am. I don't play the remake. <laughs> um, actually, my favorite way to experience Street Fighter 3 now is on Switch. Nice. Uh, oh, yeah. A portable version of Street Fighter 3 is awesome. And it's yeah. the main reason why I modified one of my Joy-Con to have a D-pad on it. <laughs> nice. uh, because, it, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun to play on the go. And, and you can you can play it at the original 4x3 aspect ratio. So it feels nice. Very That's cool. cool. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our game. Uh, this one comes to us uh, from Joe, Ki- Joe Kim, who says, Hi, Game Explain. Since you are now done with the 2020 predictions, I thought it would be fair to make Game Explain accountable for their past prediction sins. I wrote up a bunch oh, of man. questions based on your 2019 predictions, right and wrong, much of which, <laughs> most of which is guessing who said the prediction. So I brought these up, and there's 20 here, but I, we might only do half considering uh, that how late we've already gone so um we'll see just how quickly we get through these but these questions are based on game explains 2019 predictions part one and two they featured andre me uh andre derek john and steve Uh, oh no so (laughs) i don't even have the excuse that i wasn't here yeah (laughs) i thought you would for sure (laughs) yeah i was was banking on it i was like oh man i have an out for when i I lose this game (laughs) nope there are many people agreeing but they but these are the first instances uh so this is the first person who said it Okay. All, right. All right. Number one, who said that Mario U Deluxe would be huge? John. Oh. I'm going to say... Oh, man. I'm going to say Andre. Yeah. It, I mean, it's something I could have said, but I don't think I'd be the first person to say it. So I'm <laughs> going to go John. Yeah. All right. It is John. Could one of you keep score real quick? Uh, Just as you go through. Yeah. Okay. Are you on, Steve? Uh, Yeah, I'll open up a a notepad real quick. Hold on. Uh, I can do it. I got it open. All right. All right. Number two. Who said that Animal Crossing and Pokemon Gen 8 will be the Breath of the Wild and Odyssey of 2019? 
Oh, that sounds like... Can you say that one more time? Who said that Animal Crossing and Pokemon Gen 8 will be the Breath of the Wild and Odyssey of 2019? I'm going to say that was me. Well, I'm going to say it was me. (laughs) It sounds like a smart thing to (laughs) say. The funny thing is, I'm going to say it was me. (laughs) That's hilarious. We just don't want to take credit for the good stuff. Except we were completely wrong. Except for Pokemon, I guess. But anyway, it was Andre. Yay! You know what you said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Number three. Who said that Animal Crossing on Switch will be mostly iterative? Oh, man. It sounds... There was other genres, Steve. Yeah. Um, I think it, I think it, it, it's pessimistic enough. I think it was Steve. Yeah, I, I got to agree. <laughs> I, that sounds like trademark Steve negativity. I guess I got to go along with that and say Steve. It was John. Damn it, oh, wow. John. <laughs> oh, hey, real quick. Wait, am I the only one who scored? Has anyone else scored yet? I have not scored yet. I, I think Steve has one point. You have, I think, uh, well, two You have not missed this. yet. You, or wait no, well he okay, just, he just Steve, missed because okay, it was John Steve you got one Steve right yeah I yeah. got the first question okay got it cool alright All right. <laughs> who said that Yoshi's Crafted World is one of my most anticipated games of uh, games of 2019 that was oh, me that was <laughs> oh really it oh, was man. me I was I was thinking it was me but yeah I think it's Derek I'm gonna go with me but I can believe it was you Steve but we'll see it I'm was it was, me. it was Steve Oh, you beat me to oh, it, Steve. Time is not kind. I'm so sorry, past <laughs> me. It was so bad. It, it was. It wasn't bad. It was just there. No, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I got through like two levels, and I was like, okay, "To be fair, to be fair, I only played the demo. I think I don't think I even." There were there were the moments game. that it shined, but most of the part, it was just like it was all right. <laughs> Anyway, number five. What was everyone's response to Damon X Machina? Lukewarm or curious to see more? Definitely Everyone's? Lukewarm. I guess everyone. There was no way it was anything but lukewarm. And even that's generous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna it has to be lukewarm. It was lukewarm. Right, so <laughs> like none of us were right. excited for that. So that's your first point right there? Yes, I believe so. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obviously gonna win this one. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what two people complimented the visuals of Game Freak's town? What two people? Oh, I'm gonna dang. say it was. I'm gonna say it was me and Steve. Yeah, I, I'm I, gonna say. Yeah, that's probably accurate. I'll say John and Steve, though. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going with me and Derek. It was Steve and John. Yes. Oh my gosh, Andre. <laughs> Andre's won this. <laughs> He's keeping notes on us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently, I have to keep a breath. I got to stay on top of what you guys are doing, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> You're a Number terrifying seven. boss. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that Game Freak can pull it off for town? <laughs> Definitely not me. That was but, me. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say Steve just because it would be hilarious. I, I, yeah, I feel like great. it was me. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'll I'll say it's probably. I'll say it was Derek. All right, it was. Me, Derek. <laughs> oh, yes. I've, I've been, wondered if I've it was never me, been so but I wanted to, to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, who predicted a full third-person camera for Pokemon Gen 8? Oh, this had to be either John or Andre. I'm going with John on this one. Oh, man. I was thinking... 
Yeah, it could be John. I'm going to go it John. It would definitely... I, I don't... No, I was thinking... Oh, no. You know, for some reason, I was thinking Derek. I'll actually go Derek on All this. All right. I'm going to go John. It is John. Okay. All right. Nice. So you who got that? Derek and Steve? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice. All right. All right. Number nine. Who is expecting a really good-looking game for Pokemon Gen 8? I'm going to go with me. I'm going to go with Derek. I'm going to go with me. I don't know on this one, but yeah. Okay, it was me. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> so uh, that was you and me, Derek, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. All right. Number 10. Who said that next level games will knock it out of the park with Luigi's Mansion 3? I'm, I'm pretty sure that Andre. was also uh, me. All right. I'll say John. Steve? Oh, I said Andre. Uh, that's oh, okay. My, I didn't my hear guess. you. Yeah, sorry. It was me. Oh, well. wow. Yeah. Right. I remember being and like... You said yourself, right, Derek? Yeah, I did. I was, I was pretty sure it was me because I was like, I it was like, okay, they have the... Uh, one big place like the original they have the you know visuals of the second one they're gonna pull it all together Mm -hmm. which was mostly true nice all right well done who predicted snes games for nintendo switch online oh god (laughs) i'm playing andre for this one yeah i'll go myself yeah i'm i think mm -hmm. yeah i'm i'm leaning on with andre on this one it could have been John, though. Could've yeah, been. see, that's that's the other name in my in yeah. the back of my head. But I'm I'm going with Andre. <laughs> it's Andre. All right, so we all got that one. Yep. All right. All right. So real quick, what number are we on? We are on, or on eleven. I figured we can go to fifteen and get most of them. Well, might as well finish it right. off. There's twenty. That's right? true. It is going pretty quick. Okay. So since we're about halfway through, or we are halfway through, uh, I'm in the lead of seven, followed by both of you tied at five. Oh wow! So not too far I behind. Oh wow! Yeah. All right. Number twelve. Who said that Persona 5 was definitely coming on the Switch? I feel John. like all of us said that. That I was going to say John. Yeah, I think it's John. It might have been John that said it first. Either that or me. No, I'm going to go with John. It is John. Yep. I'm all right. that one. Oh, God. <laughs> Number 13. Who predicted that Metroid Prime Trilogy was coming for Switch 2019? Oh. I'm going to say John again. Yeah, it was either yeah. John or me. Um, I'll say John too. Yeah, I'm 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 on the John train on this one. <laughs> the oh, train. it was me. Oh wow! Oh, well, so we all lost. Yeah, we did. Well, to be fair, the whole industry lost. We all believed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We did. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of affected by number number fourteen's question. Who predicted that Metroid Prime? Well, it says three, but I'm guessing they meant four. Was releasing near the end of 2019. Metro Prime. Four. Oh yeah, Metro Prime. Yeah, they yeah. wrote three. It's probably they meant four. I'm I'm gonna go with Derek on this one. I could see those two being being rolled together. <laughs> I could see somebody bouncing off that maybe, but I'm I'm gonna agree with you and say myself again. My other thought say, was Steve, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Steve. So <sighs> watch it be my other thought. Nope, it was me. Ooh, All right, so nice. there goes your lead. Oh, you guys are catching up. You guys are one behind me Dang. now. I don't like this. We're gonna we're gonna have to delay your victory like Metroid Prime Four. <laughs> <laughs> Just cancel reboot. There you go. <laughs> That's all right. We'll release a trilogy of your all your past victories. There we go. Nice. Uh, who predicted cool. that Mario Odyssey was getting a sequel for 2019? That's an Andre prediction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I was gonna say the same. <laughs> yep, Andre. Yep. All right. Same scores or same difference, rather. Mm-hmm. 
Who said, I fully believe you will be the mayor in Animal Crossing for Switch? John. Yep, I was thinking John too. Yeah, that sounds like a John statement. Nope, it was me. Oh, wow. Oh. I, I thought me, but then you guys were so confident. I was like, I, I feel like I say fully I, believe I, a lot. You got to stick with it, man. Yeah, don't let us influence you. Yeah, I could, I could hear John's <laughs> voice in my head saying those words. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm sure he did at some point in time. All right. Number 17. Who said that Shimigami Tensei Five was coming for 2019 and who disagreed? Oh, God. I'm going to say, oh, boy. I'm going to say I said it was coming in 2019. That sounds like my level of wrong. This is a, this is a tough yeah, one. And I'm going to really say you disagreed, Derek. Because we, I think we rehashed this in, in the 2020 prediction. <laughs> we <laughs> might have. I can see John being like, it's it's definitely among the three of us. Andre does not count for this. <laughs> um, I'm going to say I was, I'm going to say I was the one saying it was 2019 and I'm going to say John disagreed. Okay. All right. So I'm actually going to disagree with you, Derek. I think I do play a factor in this because um, I'm entirely self-centered. <laughs> I think I think it was you that proposed it, and I think it was me that disagreed with it. Okay. It is. John predicted it. I disagreed with it. Wow. Oh, did, did you get that, Derek? No. I said I predicted John disagreed. Oh, okay. So I switched them. No one got Nobody it. Nobody got it. That's a tough one. Yeah, We're it was a really wrong. tough one. Yep. 18. Who predicted that Bayonetta 3 was not coming from 2019, not coming for 2019, and who disagreed? Man, these oh my god. Tough. These are grueling. I'm going to say I predicted it was coming not coming for 2019 and Steve disagreed. Ooh. I'm going to reverse that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just nice. shotgunning at this point, guys. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. This is rough. Predicted and disagreed. Yeah, I will go. I will say Derek predicted it, and John disagreed. All right, John. Uh, John predicted it. I disagreed. Also had it back. Yep. Right. Yep. Oh man. Basically, uh, both of John John's predictions. He predicted it, and I immediately disagreed. <laughs> <laughs> so this will be interesting. Number nineteen. Who suggested that Tokyo Mirage Sessions might release for the Switch? I'm gonna say Derek. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with you on this one. I remember being hopeful. You know what? I'm gonna agree and say it was me. It was me. Nice. Sweet, I got one right. So, <laughs> that was a good uh, prediction. Got, we're on the last one now, yes, right? So right before the end. So you guys, if you guys don't get this, and I win. If you do get it, then we we could tie. Oh wow! So, or we would tie. All right, then who predicted Bayonetta for early 2020? I'm going to go with me on that one. I'll go John. Let's see. I'm going to agree with, I'm going to agree and say John. I know I I won't win that way, but I'll at least beat Steve. No, you oh, fair enough. I respect <laughs> that. <laughs> All right. It was Andre. What? Yeah. What? Andre talking about I... Bayonetta. Yeah, what? I think you were probably oh. going off of what John and I were talking I'm about sure Bayonetta was, 3, yeah. and you're like, it's going to be early 2020. <laughs> Through a curveball. Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, no one got that. Nobody then, right? got that. So, yeah. But, all right. Well, then, um, yeah, so I won with 10, and you guys tied with 90. Oh, wow. So. All right. Wow. Close. That was a fun game. Thank you for uh, making yeah, it. Yeah, that was John. awesome. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> 
Yeah, some trick questions in there. Those the, the ones you need to choose two. Man, those are yeah. tricky. Yeah, you're exactly. a monster. <laughs> I don't remember what I had for breakfast. <laughs> you didn't even eat breakfast. Yeah, yeah, I probably yeah. didn't. That's the trick question. That's the tr- trick question right there. But uh, yeah, I think that covers it for episode 177 for the, uh, the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, if you guys enjoyed listening to this, you can support us over on Patreon for just $1 a month. Get these podcasts three days early every Friday, as well as offering up topics like and games like the ones we had here. And uh, get access to our VIP room in our Discord. So thank you so much for listening to this extra long uh, podcast. I don't know how that happened. But uh, yeah, we'll see you next time for episode 178. Till then, bye.